When I was a boy, we used to get in fights about supper time. And my mother used to tell us, grow up. And then I've watched class clowns in school, and they were told to grow up. I've watched goofy people that need to be told to grow up. A child sucking on a bottle when he's 13 years old <laughs> needs to grow up. And people on a pity party need to grow up. I look and Mary points at her and I've noticed that both Don and Mary have went through a lot in this life. And I have never seen them on a pity party. I've seen her hurting and I've seen her discouraged. But they have always been grown-ups about it. We as Christians need to mature. We need to grow up. You know, our feelings are setting on the outside and we get hurt about everything and we just need to grow up. Somebody's going to say something that hurts your feelings, I'm going to guarantee you. And people say, well, how in the world do we grow up? And I'm going to tell you, you need to look at the physical and then apply it to the spiritual. The same way you grow up physically, the same way you grow up spiritually. We're going to look at that in just a little bit. But God wants us to grow up. And that's why we started out in Ephesians 4, the 11th chapter, he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped with, with each part is properly working and makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. He wants us to grow up and he says that and if you will notice something over in Ephesians, the fourth chapter in verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. And then over in Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful streams, rather speaking, uh, speaking the truth in love, we are grow up in every way unto him who is the head of Christ. Spiritual maturity takes certain habits. Now I want us to get that. It takes certain habits to grow up spiritually. And like we are physically, the first thing that I want you to notice is that we have to grow up. We need food and water. And the food and water that we have spiritually are scriptures. Have you ever noticed people, whenever they're going in life, if you don't eat, you're going to die. But somehow or another, people think that they can come into the church 
and never pick up their Bibles. They've been dunked in the water and they continue to live just about the way that they lived before they were ever baptized. And they have to grab hold of the Word of God because it is the very thing that's going to give them the spiritual nourishment that they need. This should be, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When I take the scriptures, and the reason I use scripture instead of Bible is because the scriptures were before the Bible. And the scriptures are the things that they are to take and they are to eat them up. The eating of that gives you the nourishment that you need. It gives you all of the water. It's the flowing waters that's going to come to you. That the Spirit gives to you the, those scriptures and that becomes a, a well of flowing water in you according to John the fourth chapter. And then the air supply. You know what? You've got to breathe. And if you don't breathe, you're in trouble. And the air supply for a Christian is prayer. You've got to pray. But many people do not pray. Or they say such ridiculous little prayers that, that it really doesn't count for anything. We need to get down to sincerity when we pray. I don't know whether you pray about yourself and others, but we should be. That we are praying about brethren all over the world, and especially here in this congregation, we pray for one another. And my prayer is my attachment to God, thanking God for what, who He is and what He is. I, I can't remember. Is that Dion that says that? We thank you for who you are and what you are. Somebody says that all the time. And Larry Wesson, that's who says it. Larry Wesson says that. Well, we should be praising God and we should be thanking Him that you are, have been brought into my life and we have each other. And we need to have spiritual hygiene. That's confession of sin. We need to recognize who we are and come to God and say, you know, I fail in so many ways and I want you to forgive me. Now, when you get there, you can forgive one another in the church, can't you? If I can recognize that I need forgiveness very badly, then I can look over here and I can say, man, it's easy to forgive them because Christ forgave me. And then we need love. And that's fellowship that we have of the church. The church is in fellowship. And fellowship, as we said, the definition that I give is two people in a ship trying to row to the same place. We're trying to get to the same place. And you can't grow unless you're in fellowship. Fellowship cannot happen unless we're working together. And that's what our passage said in the first, that so that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, we are working together to build each other up to be what Christ wants us to be. And our, my desire for you is that you are everything that Christ wants you to be to, according to your ability. Everyone has different abilities, and you have a, an ability. I want you to exercise that completely in the church, and I want you to exercise that towards one another. And that's what he's trying to teach us. And then, how do you grow if you don't have any exercise? You have to practice what you've learned. Now, isn't that the hardest part of being a Christian? 
We know what the Word of God says, but practicing that and doing what He said, it's a little ridiculous to claim that we know all this stuff and not do it. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So if I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and not doing it, then I'm sinning. And that's why I need to confess to God. I'm, I fail so miserably in so many ways. And then we need protection. Protection from temptation. You know what? Temptation comes along, and I'll tell you, it looks good. It's like the woman that was going down the street, and she is with another woman, and she looks in, and she sees this beautiful, beautiful fur coat. And she said, oh my, that's a pretty coat. That's a beautiful coat. But she said, I can't afford it. The other woman says, well, it won't hurt to go in and try it on. She said, well, okay. And so she went in. She tried it on. She bought the thing. She came home and her husband said, what in the world did you buy that for? We can't afford that. And she said, well, I just went in and I tried it on. And he said, well, why didn't you say, Satan, get behind me? She did, said, I did that. And he said, man, that looks good back here too. <laughs> so, so temptation comes to all of us. I don't care who you are, you're going to be tempted. That doesn't mean you have to do it. Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, and yet he did not sin. And so when we're looking, we need to recognize I need the protection against temptation, and the way that I get that is through all these other things. When I study the Word of God, I can find out how to beat temptation. And then last, a word we don't like is responsibility. And that is, I owe love to everybody else. If I owe something, I need to pay it. And God says that you are to love your brethren. That's one of the signs of knowing that you are going to heaven, is that I love my brethren. Now, I may not like some of your ways, and I may not love some of your ways, but I guarantee you that I love you and that is exactly what Christ looked as he saw the individuals out there that were so mad and so angry and everything else. He hated their ways, but he loved them and wanted to give them the escape through redemption. Here's the points that I want to make now. Spiritual maturity is not accidental. I don't know if you recognize it or not, but in the church, most congregations, they have some babies. And I don't mean just newborn Christians. Those, those are great. We need to help them a lot. But we have people that have been in for years that just do not grow up. We need the maturity here. Over in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, verse 12 and 13, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, 
since he is a child. Now the milk is great for these children and we still take milk today as adults. But one of the things we have to keep going back over and reassuring, reassuring, reassuring about baptism and so on. It's time to go on. It's time to grow up. It's time to get to the place we need to. If you will notice something, when we say we need somebody to teach you again, it is very hard in this congregation to get classes with each other. You realize that? It's hard to get classes. We are busy, and I'm afraid we've got so busy that we don't have time to study with one another to help each other grow. Now, that's why we come together Sunday. That's why we come together Wednesday night. Sunday's mainly for the Lord's Supper. But what about Bible study Sunday morning? And I know some can't make it Wednesday night. I'm not talking about that. But if I have opportunity, should I not want to get together with brethren and... Maybe, do you realize something? What is the number one job of an elder? Anybody know? To teach. To teach. That's the number one job. When he oversees, these to teach. It's hard to teach if I can't get a class with anybody. We have teaching coming from the pulpit, but we have teaching also on a personal level. And that personal level, it gets you to know the elders, the elders get to know you, and this ought to be happening. I have some classes that I thoroughly enjoy, but we need to know each other. We need to know our leaders. Spiritual maturity doesn't happen quickly. In 2 Peter 3, 18, he says, continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, growth comes as we pray. But growth comes because we have studied something. We are studying certain subjects. Do you recognize that you have a problem? If I just sit and analyze, how am I with God I find that I have problems. And those problems, when my wife makes me mad, I shut up and I don't talk. I'm a powder. That's a problem. How many people shut down whenever a problem exists? A lot. We're babies. If I recognize that, am I working to correct it? Now we're down to things beyond just the milk. We're down to I'm dealing with a problem that I have. I'm not dealing with the problem you have. I'm dealing with the problem that I have, and I wish everyone here could say, I'm going to deal with my problems, but before you can deal with your problems, you have to recognize there is a problem. Because most people say, that's just the way I am. 
Well, if that's the way you are, then grow up. Right? If that's the way you are, then grow up, mature. Maturity is a hard thing to get. Spiritual maturity is impossible without discipline. A disciple of Christ, you remember in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 7, he says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now, the purpose of godliness is I appreciate everything about God and his ways. And you are a part of me being godly. If I appreciate you, if I appreciate what he has given, if I appreciate the Lord's Supper, if I appreciate the things that God has given, if I appreciate the air that I breathe because God gives it to me, I am starting to become godly. When I recognize the physical things are really about the spiritual things, and then I'm going to practice being godly and recognizing God in everything that I do. That's growing and maturing in Christ. That's the purpose of discipline. And we are disciplined by Christ. I cannot be a disciple without being disciplined. That's where it comes from. A disciple is a disciplined person. I'm getting a feedback, aren't I? I'm a, a, a disciple is a person that is disciplined and disciplined by the Lord. And the more disciplined you are, the more God will use you. Now that's just a fact. That means taking up a cross daily. Do you realize what it is to take up a cross daily? When you go down the road, what's the biggest problem? Somebody's on your road. <laughs> That's the biggest problem we've got. That stupid guy. That, that, that. It's all about us. A disciplined individual takes up his cross. And do you know why you take up a cross? It's to crucify yourself. It's to die. In Luke 9.23, he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You say, well, I have the cross of Christ. He didn't say take the cross of Christ. He said take your cross. And your cross means that I've got a cross and I'm going to literally every day in my mind, I'm going to put myself on the cross and it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. In Luke 14, 27, whosoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So the question is, is am I really a disciple? Am I really putting me to death every day? As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. Every day, Paul said, Paul is not going to be the one alive. Christ is directing Paul because Paul has died to himself and come alive in Christ. Now, if you don't have that, then you haven't given yourself to the Lord. If I give myself to the Lord, I die. That's hard to do. Now we're getting personal. You see, 
When I don't die to myself, I can find fault in everybody else. When I die to myself, I try to help everybody else. That's the big difference. When I really die to myself, then I'm on the mission to do what Jesus did, and that's to seek and to save those that are lost. And as our passage started out, I am here to build the brethren up so that they can be the full service of God that they're supposed to be. If I don't do that, I need to question my discipleship. If I'm not studying the Bible every day, you know, we used to have what we called family altars. Now that's old denominational talk. But it meant very simply that we took time as a family to sit down and pray. You know, one of the things that's missing in this country today is supper time. Do you remember supper time when you was growing up? Some of you call it dinner time. Well, that's California talk, but the real talk is supper time. Supper time, they sat down as a family and they ate as a family. We've got too much television. I admit that. First of all, I want you to notice something. Our goal is to commit to habits necessary for spiritual maturity. How do you make a habit of something? You know what? I'm going to tell you. Just as a worldly person, go back. When I was 12 years old, I sat or I laid under a bed. My sister had just contracted polio and had come home and was in a special bed. And she was my hero. I lay under the bed and I smoked a cigarette. And it made me so sick that I couldn't stand it. But I was determined. And after the sickness, I smoked another one. And it wasn't very long till I liked those things. And it wasn't very long that I had a habit of it. And it wasn't very long till I was addicted to it. Don't you think that's what we ought to do in Christianity? That we ought to start a habit of prayer. We ought to start a habit of studying. We ought to start a habit of all these things until I get addicted to that. When he says be filled with the Spirit or be filled with the Word of God, how do I do that? I've got to practice, practice, practice. Now it's hard when you first start, but you become proficient as you go along. Here's some reasons you need the scripture. Number one, it's our map. In 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. If I want to do what God wants me to do, I've got to get into the scripture, dive in there. It's hard. It's hard. 
You know what? Studying is hard. But studying is profitable if we apply what we learn. You can't apply what you learn if you don't learn it. If all the learning that you're getting is right here, then you are indeed lacking because there's so much more. And it's our light. In Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Have you noticed when you quit using the word of God, your marriage gets bad, you get miserable in the church. Oh, I hate to go to church. I can remember Jordan saying that when he was a little boy. I, I hate going to church. Well, at least he was honest. But you know what? He's grown now, got two kids. And where is he every Sunday? Where is he every Wednesday? He's here unless he has to work. Why? He's in the habit. It's a, he's addicted to it. Ah, oh, don't you love him? Don't his kids love him? Oh, they hate to go to church too, but <laughs> he's bringing them right along the same way. And scripture is our weapon. You know what? We're in a battle and you've got to, you've got to have a sword to go out there and fight with. In Ephesians 6, 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. People ask you questions all the time that you can't answer. But I hope when people say, why do you believe that? That you can say, well, the reason why I believe it. And I don't think you have to memorize Scripture. I think you have to memorize principles. I can tell you why I believe what I believe, and I can show you in the Bible. I may have to look it up, but I know it's there. I know it's there, and I can tell you what I believe and tell you why I believe it, and if you'll give me just a little bit of time, I'll look up where the passage is because I know it's there. Does that make sense? You see, we're running around trying to fight the demons and trying to fight the world and trying to fight all these things and we have no weapon. We ought to be walking Bibles. And you have to master the sword. That is practice daily. <laughs> I keep using Jordan, but I can remember when he wanted his black sword. I want the black sword. I want the black sword. And when he has a sword, he's out there and he's fighting with Pretend people. And he always won. <laughs> we need to see that our enemy is there and my defense is the word of God. If you don't see that and you don't practice it daily, we're in trouble. And then it's in James, a mirror because in James, the first chapter, verse 20 through 25, listen to it carefully. But be doers of the word. Do you get that? Be doers of the word. Now, I'm not just talking about going to church. I'm talking about daily. And where do you start? You start with yourself. 
Dion starts with himself. Then he starts with Sheila. And then he starts with Malachi. Then he starts with Gemini, the family. You start there. And then you move out to your church family. And then you move out to your neighbors. Now, doers of the word, not hearers on deceiving yourselves. How many people are really deceived? I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven, and they don't even live it. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Most of us think we look pretty good. But have you looked in the mirror? Oh, my. I look pretty good, don't I? But I looked in the mirror. And I got wrinkles. Now, I can forget about that and pretend like I'm good looking. But the truth is, I'm not. I've lost most of my hearing and I've lost my teeth. And I'll tell you, my wife loves me even when I have my teeth out. And that is a horrible sight. But I know what I look like. But have you looked at yourself spiritually? Seen what you're really like? Because you can have all of it put back. You're hearing. Spiritually, I can hear. Spiritually, I can chew. Spiritually, I can jump. Spiritually, I can do all these things if I will just study and apply. So look in the mirror. In Psalm 1, 1 through 3, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does will prosper. And I'm going to make this last suggestion. Study with other Christians. You know, I should say other Christians and even those that are not. One of my greatest studies is with George. Sets back there on the back. On Thursdays, we get to study together. I say this about George. And George, I hope I don't embarrass you at all. But he's one of the smartest men I've ever met and one of the dumbest. (laughs) He's one of the most honest men that I've ever met. But one of the things that we do, we get to know each other as we study the Word of God. And what a privilege it is for me to have George there. 
That's true as I study with anybody, and especially with members of the church as we grow, as we grow together. Take the time. Learn to teach and to learn. So we're going to end this way. In Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, seems like we started this way. So that we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. It's about Jesus, and it's about me growing in him. It's about us growing together. So I hope you take the lesson and say, you know what, that did me some good. If it didn't, then you're studying, and that's great. If you're here today and have never obeyed the gospel of Christ, won't you come? Believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting of your sins, confessing Him to be the Christ, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. If you do that, you will be buried in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life, and then be faithful to death. And then you'll be carried home. Won't you come while together we stand and sing?